Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This has got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right, don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. Chelsea, keeping you up to date on the latest news from Stamford Bridge. Match recaps, previews, presented by WorldSoccerShop.com. It's the London is Blue podcast. Here's your hosts, Brandon, Dan, and Nick. Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to a, another podcast. Bringing it back, you know, I think we got a lot of questions, Dan, on social media, like, you guys even a pod? I mean, what, what are you going to do this for? Why, why show up again when the players don't, when the manager does, all that normal stuff. But hey, you should come to expect consistency and a high level of performance from us. It's also what we've come to express, uh, expect rather from the Chelsea ladies team, who are uh, currently a uh, just just about to accept the crown on the top of their heads for winning the uh, women's Super League here. So uh, I think we should just dedicate the podcast to them, Brandon. You know, if it's if winning is the most important thing to us as fans, we need to look outside the men's first team. But before we get too off topic with that, I do want to 
uh, you know, let everyone know, sadly, Nick is not with us again for the second time in a row, uh, doing a lot of traveling to New York City and back to Midwest and back to New York. So totally understandable. Work kind of uh, gets in the way of that. But don't worry. Uh, we did pull David from We Ain't Got No History. It's been a while since, uh, I guess, since we've done the videos, the midseason reviews in London right. hanging out. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Good to be back. All right. Well, I guess, I guess on this special occasion of terribleness. Yeah, we thought we'd, you know, bring you back for a real exciting one. You <laughs> yeah, know? gee, thanks, guys. <laughs> um, all right. Well, before we get into this episode, I did have a text from Eric that I wanted to kind of read out and let us uh, discuss before we get into the thick of it. But I thought it was pretty interesting. So he says, not sure if you guys are going to waste any more of your Mother's Day on this garbage, but if you record the pot, another odd starting lineup. Since Conte is most likely gone, did he just not value finishing top four? Or is this a coach who just lost touch with reality? Pretty strong words from our buddy Eric, Dan. Um, but I think this is a sentiment a lot of people feel right now. Well, I'm not a mother, so it wasn't wasting necessarily my mother's day. But um, yeah, it, it, we'll get into the meat and potatoes rather of the lineup. But I think there's... As with any match this season, David, plenty of things to critique. And I think there's just a desire to maybe accept apathy a little bit as the way to not get hurt as much anymore. Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure. There's a lot of conspiracy theories out there. Uh, I don't know if, if any of you guys follow the blog. You'll probably know that I'm not a big believer in them. But I know that it's a pretty prevalent uh, narrative of Conte playing for his severance pay and, and you know, trolling us i guess with his lineups and his rotation but i don't know know. it's it's a mystery i suppose well don't worry i'm going to ask that specifically later on so no no no. before we get into that obviously we just always want to do a big shout to world soccer shop so dan no stealing of any thunder this time go ahead wait you're gonna let me run the whole ad plug absolutely (laughs) Wow, amazing. Well, hey, uh, they may, in your opinion, look like bus seats. Uh, they actually probably don't, but the Chelsea 1819 uh, kits are now available through worldsoccershop.com. So uh, you got the, the cool little uh, red and white uh, accents on top of the blue, and it uh, looks great. I'm personally probably waiting for the, uh, the third kit for a little bit of the kind of orange and gray throwback. But if you are so inclined to get yourself a new kit right now, worldsoccershop.com. All right. Well, let's go ahead and dig into it uh, just a little bit. But obviously, Chelsea just played Newcastle United today on Sunday. Uh, Final score, Chelsea 0, Newcastle 3. Really, really ridiculous. Uh, I know we were away playing at St. James's Park. I had to play Rafa Benitez, a fat Spanish waiter. But... Um, a lot of interesting things, Dan. Let's go ahead and kick it off with the lineup like we usually do. Yet another twist from Antonio. Yeah, well, it's it's just late in the season. Why not just continue to befuddle fans with lineup suggestions? And uh, the starting 11 involved Thibaut Courtois, back from the back injury. That was nice to see. Gary Cahill, Christensen, Azpilicueta get the opportunity to run as back three. Rudiger gets to enjoy some bench time. Uh, Emerson, Conte, Ross Barkley out of nowhere. I mean, I feel like he was a permanent fixture in the the training or physio room. So uh, surprised to see that he's still alive, along with Bakayoko and Victor Moses. And then up top for the two with Drew and Hazard. 
and you uh, saw a bench surprise, no youth, uh, last Premier League game of the season. Willie Caballero, Rudiger, Alonso, Fabregas, William, Morata, and Pedro. And all of those subs coming no earlier than the 76th minute, which is about par for the course. I mean, David, last weekend we had subs in the 53rd <laughs> and 57th minute, which to me shows a sign of, hey, we're going to go for it. We're going to chase this. Not so much this time. So, again, I know you don't peddle mm. the conspiracy theories, mm. but, I mean, any kind of ideas of why maybe Conte just let the players struggle out there? Um, I think he let them struggle because that was mostly the, the, the lineup that he believes in the most. I know that's going to be weird. It's going to go against what everybody else thinks, but... Other than the Ross Barkley situation, which was obviously a huge surprise. Uh, I mean, that's if you think of the 3-5-2 or 3-5-1-1 that we seem to be relying on these days. He was talking about earlier about how he wants to do a three-man midfield, like against Liverpool. I mean, this is mostly our first choice lineup. Uh, you might argue that uh, Rudiger needs to play these days instead of Christensen, but... The, that back three was our first choice back three for a good part of the season. Uh, you know, Kante, Bakayoko, that's that's the future, supposedly. Uh, Giroud and Hazard together, certainly better than Morata and Hazard these days. Uh, Moses as wing, Emerson, everybody wanted to see Emerson, and here he is, you know, doing a whole lot of nothing. So, I mean, in, the, in that sense, I, I kind of see why he, he left them out there. I don't know. It's uh, he doesn't really make early subs, right? That's why the fifty whatever fifty fifth minute substitution stood out, and even then he waited with Hazard to put him on for a while, didn't he? Because he put on was it Giroud then, or something like that? I think actually I Hazard exactly came on then. first, then um, was he? Yeah, and then Giroud a few minutes later. He actually yeah. dumped him on quick, but you know the the last change wasn't you know until last fifteen minutes or so. Yeah, I mean that's it's pretty standard changes here from from Conte. So I don't know. Maybe maybe he did give up. Maybe he knew the score of the other game. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like I feel like it's if we can read into it a little too much. Uh, I kind of looked at this game as he, he, the lineup he would put out would be the lineup that he wants to put out for uh, the FA Cup final. That's probably not the case because of Ross Barkley and Emerson. But uh, I, I think we were kind of going for that. Um, kind of sort of thinking yeah no no worries at all i mean dan like piggybacking piggybacking off that do you think that now after the last two matches with all the changes conte's made do you think he knows who he's gonna play next week i mean i i don't know how much confidence he has in some of these Hmm. guys right now you you would have to assume that someone who has spent the the better part of 80 plus matches with these players would have an idea of who needs to go into his starting 11 for the FA Cup. But, you know, with with the fact that we couldn't ask some of the players to, you know, they couldn't get up for Huddersfield, they couldn't right. get up for Newcastle. It's it's I mean, just crazy. I mean, assuming, assuming Conte has our best interest in mind, which to me is common sense, but, you know, obviously that's where the conspiracy comes in. I mean, he tried the 3-4-3 with those, the, the William pedro Morata combination, and they basically all failed him in midweek. You know, he scored off the face of Alonso. Not exactly a, a planned play, I would assume. And then now it's, uh, you know, Giroud and Hazard's turn to to let everybody down. So, I don't know. I mean, if, if you're feeling for the coach, 
I don't know, what do you do? Who do you pick? That's I mean, Tammy Abraham, maybe, except he can't play. So close to having him be able. <laughs> no, I, you know, it's um, it, it's just hard to take in. Obviously, you know, I think there's a lot of you know, you know, blame on both sides. I kind of talked about that last week. Sure. I know I was in the minority, and that's okay. But you know, today though, it just seemed like the fight and the will wasn't there either. Chelsea outshot sixteen to six by Newcastle, six on target to Chelsea's two even though we had the majority, well, a slight majority of possession. So I think, you know, with the fact that Chelsea had 38 clearances, that's also a little scary as well. The fact that, you know, they had Chelsea pinned back or at least putting a lot of, they were very direct in their approach. And and unfortunately today it caused Chelsea uh, a little bit of issues. But uh, I'm going to ask this first question, not because it's what I believe, but it's because what is being discussed by pundits and um, you know, people on social media alike. So, Dan, do you think that Conte put out a lineup that he didn't think could win this game? So, uh, I think the better way to phrase that is instead of saying, did he think it wouldn't win, is was he uncertain about the just kind of overall quality of the squad with any lineup he would have put out? I mean, when you look at some of the past results outside of, you know, Liverpool excluded, you know, we, we have had some pretty horrific performances this season uh you know Watford Bournemouth West Ham Burnley this is just another in a list of results that when you go back and look at this season in detail where things went wrong uh this could be the hey watch a few seconds of this and see just how bad it really got at some points during the season so I don't think that he was actively trying to put out a lineup that wasn't going to win I, I just there, there's too much, I think, positive examples of Antonio Conte as a manager, not just at Chelsea, but with Italy and Juventus, to think that he wouldn't want to go out and win the game. But I do believe at this point there's enough smoke you know, in, the, in this situation for there to be a fire between the, the board, Chelsea, the managers and players and it's just, it's not a good situation and I, like, I don't know if that jives what you're thinking David but I, I just couldn't see him putting a lineup out there and saying I think this won't win so now I'm going to go and prove a point no I don't I don't think this is the case at all uh, I'm hesitant to call it nonsense because I don't know who asked it and I don't want to be mean to people right now but uh I just don't think it. I don't see what it would accomplish. Uh, if Conte thinks that he's going to get fired or he's not going to get fired, uh, winning this game probably won't matter at all in that sense. So if he's literally playing for this severance package, I mean, he's probably going to get fired at this point. It wouldn't have mattered if he won today, if he lost today. Uh, and then the other thing is, uh, you know, the, people looking at this lineup and saying, "Oh, this lineup would never win," but this lineup has has our best players in it. It's got Hazard, it's got Giroud, it's got uh, Conte, it's got Bakayoko, who everybody was in love with after Liverpool and was mad that they didn't that he didn't start uh, Wednesday against Huddersfield. You know, it's got Christensen back. I mean, okay, he's got Cahill. Maybe he should have played Rudiger, but I don't think Rudiger himself would have prevented three goals. Uh, you know, maybe you play Fabregas instead of Barkley, but... I mean, it's it's the vast majority of the players that, uh, if Chelsea are going to do well, have to do well. So if 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 Conte can't trust these players, if we can't trust these players, then I'm not sure where to go from there. 
you know, it's you can't you can't blame Conte on Wednesday for not playing Hazard, and then three days later blame him for playing Hazard and saying, "Oh, both of those are he did so because he didn't want to win." You just you just mess with their minds. Amazing. So. I agree with that a lot. Actually, that's kind of where I want to go is because you know Wednesday everyone blamed Antonio Conte for the loss because he right. picked a yeah. terrible lineup. Everybody said, "Why didn't you play Hazard on Wednesday?" Well, here he is. Look what amazing things he did against Newcastle. Well, you're right, and now everyone's oh <laughs> he put out this lineup because right. again he wants yeah. to get fired, like he wants the sack. He he doesn't want to be there. To me, like Antonio Conte, like I said, the only. I mean, I can. To me, I feel like Alonzo and Emerson, you know, are more or less you're going to get the same out of them. I think uh, Rudiger is probably the one that, if I were in there, I probably would have played him. But other than that, yeah. this is the starting lineup, right? This is what we've like taken to Barcelona. This is what we've taken to Liverpool. Right. This is, you know, obviously Barkley is the one-off, so you put Fabregas in instead. But, you know, he did essentially, um, you know, what everyone had asked, and it's still not good enough. So he's kind of in a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation um, at, at this point. But I don't know. It's, it's um, I feel like there's a lot of, there's a lot to be asked of the players who are out there on a day that they get absolutely ransacked by Newcastle, who they finished the season in 10th. They didn't go up or down. The only thing they did is broke a four-game losing streak. That's just pride for them, right? Well, and I, I do believe at some point during the NBC commentary, they talked about potentially around a 10 million pound difference in finishing place for Newcastle right. winning, so there, there definitely mm-hmm. was motivation. I don't, I don't think that really motivates players, though. Like, I don't, I don't see Benitez going into the locker room and says, "All right, lads, let's do it for the extra ten mil for Mike Ashley." That's not really That's not really going to be like, yeah, yeah coach. But, uh, yeah, but coach, maybe, we're going to do it. Yeah, but maybe they got you know they that we you know embarrassed them a little bit earlier in the season, and you I, know we I gave think that a, a pretty a pretty rough reception and i right. think that you know if there's any type of motivation or external factors going into this i think yeah. rafa wanted to to win and uh, shove it in our faces and i think he put together a game plan that worked i think you actually hit on the the main motivation with benitez because we beat newcastle twice this season right we were there for one of them in uh what was the premier league or was yep. back in uh, december. november december uh, and we eliminated them from one of the cups, right? So uh, clearly Benitez was well, they were not happy about that. And then they're, I think they're also playing for for Benitez himself because they want him to stay at the club. So it's it's a a, a clear motivation I think for players to to show how good the coach is for them stuff like that awesome that is the ideal transition i was waiting for before i went to the second <laughs> master question. segue over here absolute professionals on this podcast <laughs> do you think the players still play for the manager and i say that in air quotes since you can't see it uh is people pundits everyone are kind of pushing this narrative um how do and then you know i guess david does how does this compare to when jose left uh this in fifteen sixteen? kind of like we had talked about to me they're completely different uh, I think that the players still play more, but these last couple weeks, kind of, it, it, they step up for Liverpool, yeah. but that, that was kind right. of the last time you really saw a lot of fight out of them. Yeah, it's such a weird sequence of events uh, where we kind of like the season was gone, and then suddenly here we are winning games, and sure, opposition wasn't like the highest quality, but then Liverpool game happened, and, and suddenly you're on a high, 
you think, here we go, uh, everybody's still playing for the manager, saying the right things, uh, and then suddenly we just implode. Uh, as far as how it compares, I think the 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 mood is much more amicable. I mean, uh, Mourinho famously said, you know, they've they betrayed me, or that's how it was reported. What he actually said was they betrayed their work on the training ground. But I mean, it's kind of six six of one, half a dozen of the other. There was definitely some some discord there, as uh, as our good friend Michael Imanalo said, palpable discord. I don't think there's discord now. I think there's just possibly a resignation of of what's going to happen. So in a way, I know this wasn't the question, but kind of reminds me, you know, how Newcastle players got up for Benitez one last time, possibly if he doesn't stay. You know, one can only hope that Chelsea players get up for the FA Cup here and send uh, send Conte off with with the the right mood and the right right trophy, I guess. So to answer the question, I think they still play for them, play for, or they want to play for him, uh, but it's probably more complicated than that. Yeah, I mean, obviously there's a lot of performance issues on the field, Dan. But uh, you know, what what is your take on the whole the players don't play for the manager anymore kind of narrative? This is so weird. It's I don't know. It's so odd to be doing the same thing two years later and <laughs> going through a conversation around where it all went wrong and why did this season happen. And again, I'm sure you know in this pod and then also in a couple other episodes remaining with the what we would classify as our season, we'll probably dive deep into some of those and kind of analyze the the murder scene. But ultimately, it's. You, you you know they they the players play for a, a paycheck right i mean they don't you know they have a manager they have someone who oversees the work that they do and they have to respond or listen to them but ultimately they play for their you know their wages they play for whatever personal motivation they have and you would hope that that would also include you know following the directions and Making it work. I, I just don't know. Like, we, you know, we don't know what the direction was that Conte gave heading into this game about how we should handle Newcastle. But it was kind of clear that the the strategy didn't work. The execution and, and how we went out and, and drilled against them. I, I can't imagine going to St. James's. The thought was going to be that let's just absorb pressure for as long as possible uh, and then concede a couple goals. Um, <laughs> you know, that, 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 that doesn't jive with me. And... I think doesn't make a lot of sense, but you know what I will say is it's going to be really kind of terrible to feel like that some of these lineups have been odd, and part of that's down to who Conte gets equipped with, who's available from a fitness standpoint, who's in or out of form, and so there's blame on his part, there's blame on the players' part, there's blame on the board's part, and I think I get probably I'll get tired of hearing that, but the the culpability is across all all facets of the club. Like no one person gets to walk away from this season squeaky clean and being like, you know what? It wasn't my fault. It's not like a group project in college where you're like, well, I turned in 98% of the work. So we still got a good grade. And the other two people didn't do anything like that. That's not how, you know, Premier league football clubs run. Yeah. I think that's a good analogy in that sense. Um, You know, 
Yes, there's a lot of performances and weren't up to scratch today. Um, you know, it's it's a little tough for Conte because he had such a great first season that the expectation bar really high. Mm-hmm. You know, unfortunately though, this this playing squad just in general haven't put together two consecutive seasons for the most part, and you know, albeit maybe formation changes and personnel changes and managerial changes, uh, you know, the core of our team that we've really looked for, unfortunately, I just don't think have have, have been able to um, put it together for more than one season, unfortunately. But kind of as we move on and look to the forward, the you know, the future now, um, beyond the FA Cup final, because we'll touch on that at the end, as always, is uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being Chelsea will win the league next season, and one is that Chelsea finished outside of the the, the quote-unquote top six, a.k.a. outside of Euro, Europa League. Uh, how confident are you that the club's hierarchy will sign the right players and make the right decisions, hypothetically a manager, a sporting director, things of that nature, the lone army? So, uh, Dan, one to ten, we can all go around and share an answer, um, but what do you think? How confident are you this summer is going to be a massive success for Chelsea rebuilding? Not rebuilding, sorry, said that last week. We're not rebuilding, but taking a step in the right direction. Is rebuilding a bad word? It, yeah, it, it re- can no, be. Rebuilding is a fair, that's, that is a fair comment. Re- rebuilding <laughs> is absolutely a word we could use here. Um, gosh, I don't know. It's, <laughs> it's, you know, like that, I don't, I don't want to give off any like irrational confidence. So like, I'm not going to go higher than like a five. Um, I'm probably somewhere in the two to three range. You know, there's a lot of talented, you know, you know, look, we're going to be playing on Thursdays, um, which I know we're all excited about. And yeah. you're going to need to rotate in some youth. So some of those starlets that you've hopefully enjoyed, seeing banded about by the Chelsea youth Twitter account or being praised for their uh, performance under uh, one Jody Morris or, you know, rocking the Edervise and just being absolute badasses. Um, you might get to see them. So that's exciting. I think I'm hopefully confident that that kind of comes to fruition. I just really don't know without a appointed sporting director or technical director, without a look at who the manager is going to be next season and understanding what players are or aren't coming. Like I am, it's a lot of work to do, David. Like they have to convince Hazard (laughs) to stay and and get him on a new contract. Um, As much as people are, you know, sometimes excited. People are also excited about Courtois, like potentially leaving. And, you know, like, do you really want Jack (laughs) Butlin as your goalkeeper? Like who just enjoyed soap going down? Like (laughs) Joe Hart. Mm. Too hard. Here it comes. No, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. There's an immense amount of work to be done and uh, less time to do than ever before, considering there's the World Cup and the transfer window closes like three weeks earlier than last year. And uh, just, uh, you know, last our last four big signings or four or last five big signings have all been on transfer deadline day. So good luck to us all with that. Uh, as far as a number, I mean, I mean, can we go below one? I'd say one is my confidence level at the in the board's ability, whoever this mysterious board entity might be, uh, to sign the right players and make the right moves. I mean, I think we'll do our utmost to keep Hazard. Uh, he's saying the right things now. And then there was that story just the other day where we shifted the blame to Conte for the Hazard thing. So I think that's 
Uh, we can all see how that's going to end up uh, with Hazard staying, which is good, I guess. Uh, Courtois is, a, is, I think, is a, a more murky situation, especially with only a year left on his contract. Uh, and him saying that he just wants clarity as to what that's going to happen, not actual, an actual new contract. Uh, he's fine that way. Which, of course, he is because, you know, players don't mind having being out of contract if they're in high demand. Uh, and then we always forget that Aspilicueta's contract is up soon. Uh, he will ha- only have two years left. And then there's other players like Fabregas going into his last year. Uh, Cahill, David Luiz, all these guys. And that's just, you know, trying to figure out whether we keep the right players uh, and trying to, trying to make the right signings. And the right signings we need are a good midfielder and a good forward, a wide forward. Somebody to replace kind of the William Pedro rotation, uh, and I'm really not sure. And I don't really have the confidence in us making a proper signing there. So, you know, we it's it's been a while since we signed a good uh, midfielder who's a creative type player. You know, I mean, Fabregas f- was it like four years ago now, and even that one is a, a divisive signing even to this day. So. So, Dan's got us around a top four finish. (laughs) David has us firmly in seventh uh, battling Burnley for that last Europa League spot. That's right. All right. If you don't make the right signings, I I don't really... I mean, I know it's it's easy to blame Conte and saying, you know, we finished fifth because he was sulking all season or whatever. But, like, you know, how dare he point out that we need a better squad? Um, You know, that's... (laughs) If, you know, you truly, truly destroyed the player's confidence or whatever the narrative is. Uh, but I don't think whoever replaces Conte is going to take these same players and uh, and suddenly turn them into uh, to league winners again. We need serious reinforcements, and uh, whether it's Conte or whoever else, uh, it's it's we need better players. It's not just a coaching thing. I I'm actually firmly on board with that. I, to me, like the, the 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 transfer strategy is absolutely confused me. Oh, there's 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 no transfer well, strategy, especially with Emanalo gone. It's yes. who's who's calling the shots. You're losing you know? a ton of kind of uh, consistency and clarity from him. But I mean, yeah. you know, Dan Levine. I mean, dude, dude had a vision. Like you know, people might not agree with him, but he he kind of knew what he was trying to do. And Mourinho kind of derailed that whole thing, but at least there was some sort of plan. <laughs> right. In in hindsight, there was an alternate reality that Chelsea were just on Man City's Man Citying people before Man City did it. Right. Like with right. the young attacking pacey players that we exactly. had. Um, you know, the whole idea of Dan Levine telling us that you know Chelsea are going after an English core again, or maybe there's some Brexit ideas, whatever. To me, the fact of the matter is, we just bought like poor players uh if you wanted to spend 40 million you could get an up-and-coming player who's at least exciting and entertaining to watch not a former premier league champion that can't get fit all season Uh, you know then a guy who couldn't finish a medical we went back and bought again and he couldn't stay fit either and and we probably could try not not signing injured players could be a good first step this fascination with uh straw men uh is just really just not a good long-term strategy (laughs) <laughs> these are the things that have confused me a lot about about the transfers in the last couple of seasons you know four years ago the last world cup as you mentioned david we did go out and do our business early getting fabregas and costa right away right. before the tournament yep. even started 
Um, I don't know. Maybe the club are going to go after that, and they have a really specific idea of exactly mm. who they want and the holes they want to fill. But with as many lone, not without a manager, yeah, and with as many lone players as we have as well, right? Like things yeah. just aren't as simple at Chelsea because of the way the club are set up, and that's okay because the lone army serves a couple different purposes. Um, but if you have to go get a new manager, and if they potentially wait for a manager who's coaching in the World Cup, a la Conte in the Euros. Hmm. Everything is pushed back, and then we are scrambling so bad, and, well, and and that's where I have a lot of concern with uh, Chelsea doing good business in a summer hmm. that has a lot of reasons why we can't do good yeah, business. I mean, he can, he can go coach in the World Cup, but like you know, we need to they need to make it clear pretty much right away after the FA Cup who if there is a new coach in mind, then they need to make that clear right away so they can use that in transfer negotiations or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, Conte was announced in April, you know, well before the end of the season. Obviously, a different situation with, you know, hitting as clear interim manager, but, uh, you know, it's, it, the clarity helps. So, somebody like Conte was able to sign because we knew that Conte was coming in. <laughs> uh, so, you know, you just need, 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 a, need a bit more planning. Need to be proactive. Well, you know, obviously a lot of things said here. Uh, I think there's a lot of really good um, ideas and kind of commentary here. So let us know what you guys think, though, on a lot of this. I know we kind of just skipped the actual match review, but I think a lot of you will appreciate that. And (laughs) the fact that we talked about some, you know, more important things, the future, because, you know, what else do we as Chelsea fans have to look forward to than, well, next season? So let us know what you guys think. As always, social media, text, email, any way you know how to get a hold of us, go for it. But as the table has now finished, as it stands, City and first on the century club mark, 100 points. Uh, United, the shittiest second place team in 80 on 81 points. Spurs somehow surprising themselves, jumping up to third on 77. Liverpool, fourth, 75. And Chelsea, fifth, 70. The three Woo. teams going down, in case you've missed it, are West Brom, then Stoke, then Swansea. So... I mean, you know, Swansea's last five matches were all losses. Cross to Swansea. They, they, they dug Southampton out big time, which is wow. uh, pretty crazy. But uh, the rest of it is a stands. You know, that's it. That is another season in the bag. To me, it's just kind of crazy how fast these seasons go. You know, we were obviously lucky enough to go to London twice, got to hang out with you, David. Um, but, you know, the, another season in the books already. Crazy. And uh, 90, 90 more days until the next Premier League season starts. Yeah. Blink and you miss it. Seriously, back at it again already. All right, well, let's go ahead and move on to social media questions. No shortage of questions, so that's why we did a shorter match review this week. Uh, But before we do that, Dan, uh, pretty exciting announcement uh, for a video we are going to be releasing this week. Yeah, we uh, finally got it back from our uh, wonderful friend, uh, Thomas Lundberg, who's been doing some of the edits on it. But it is uh, the first in four interviews that we captured while we were over in London recently. And the first one's going to be up with uh, Paulo Ferreira, who's uh, a former Chelsea player, now a Chelsea uh, technical uh, loan uh, coach. So he essentially, at this point in his career, is overseeing performances of players currently on loan and 
responsible for writing them up on reports and giving them analysis of data on how they're doing and reporting that information back to the club. So really cool to talk to him about his time as a player, then also what he does for the club now. And uh, that's going to kick off a series of videos we're dropping over the next couple of weeks here. So stay tuned for that. We'll, we'll drop some on Instagram, on Twitter, and throw some up on YouTube as well. And uh, of course, it'll be on uh, We Ain't Got No History as well. Woo! All right, look at that. Cross-promotion, friends helping friends. (laughs) All right, well, the first set of questions we have is actually about Mother's Day. How appropriate. I am luck man saying, I didn't go to church on Mother's Day to witness blank. What did you sacrifice for this? Emojis. Did I mention Mother's Day? JL underscore Hines saying, ultimately grateful that Chelsea's ineptitude coupled with Salah's greatness allowed me to go to Mother's Day brunch knowing I wasn't missing anything. Uh, yikes, Dan. Uh, you know, personally, I did miss the second half on Mother's Day duties, but yeah, I mean, not the best sacrifice, I guess, today. Yeah, this would not have been a good trade. You know, this, this is where you're like, oh, hey, I'm going to trade you some uh, marbles um, for a Porsche, and that's going to be a great deal for you. Let this know. And if you, if you traded time away from your loved ones today, you were rewarded with an absolute pile of shit. <laughs> it was not. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, it was, it was bad. That sounds like I, a bad trade. It's a, it's a terrible trade. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> anyone who made this trade today uh, probably uh, came out on the wrong side of it and probably wished that they had opted to do a Mother's Day brunch or something like that. Yeah, hopefully mom forgave you because yikes. Uh, we had uh, not a- when she saw the scoreline. <laughs> no, 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 no. Tell her they won. Just, just it, She's better if she doesn't know. All right. What about players' responsibility? Ton of questions from uh, at Claire Chelsea eight at Smooth underscore one Nevarp Yelga on Instagram. Jail Hines back on on Instagram. Just a lot of things. We have this current squad play for the coach. We've kind of checked that off. Um, are the players play for the fans? What about that? And then we talked mm-hmm. about how bad was the attack? Why were they so disjointed this season? And then obviously I really do like Claire saying, do the players have to take some responsibility for their abysmal performance today? I mean, David kind of touched on that a little bit earlier, but I'll let you talk about the attack and what the player's responsibility was today. I mean, they should take responsibility. Uh, I think they're kind of actually getting let off very easily for this probably was their worst performance of the season because uh, you know everybody's basically talking about Conte and and whatever's going on there and being being that as as the the biggest uh, lightning rod for criticism but there's there's very little excuse for what the players produced today uh, you know especially for people waking up early skipping Mother's Day driving up 600 miles if you're over in England you know, waking up at 4 a.m. to go on a road trip to Newcastle. Nobody's idea of a fun time. And then you get rewarded by this. And then there's other people who are reporting that uh, other than like Hazard and Aspilicueta, nobody really wanted to even go over and clap the fans in the last league game of the season. You know, just minor gestures like that. So, uh, yeah, I think they need to be taking responsibility. And unfortunately, I think this is a repeated pattern for a lot of these players and at this point this this is this is what we get uh i'm just gonna have to uh make peace with it as far as why they were terrible at all the disjointed passes it's you know 
if I were a coach, this is this is the time you'd go home and drink heavily because, like, what do you do? <laughs> Just uh, throw throw a water bottle, kick a water bottle, deal with a zipper. Uh, I don't know. Get get angry. Dan, what do you think from like Nevarp saying? Um, he doesn't see. Um, I'm sorry here. He said, how about the play the football because they're passionate with the game? Are the players playing for the fans? It doesn't seem like it, you know. Who, like, why aren't the players playing with the type of passion that we've seen in previous seasons and even at flashes this time this season? Do you think that, I don't know, they just are, are going through a tough spell and are hard, and it's hard to get out of it? Are there exterior motivations? Is Liverpool just kind of you know, crush them anyways. Uh, any any kind of ideas or guesses, obviously, since we don't know? Well, the, the math after losing, sorry, drawing, a draw that felt like a loss to Huddersfield made it extremely difficult that this match was going to be uh, meaningful in any way, considering we needed Liverpool to lose against Brighton, um, who I don't believe had won an away game all season nice. um so in, in that scenario like your your motivation level is like okay well i have to come to work like i, I guess here's the thing like we all do it right we, they're all days probably at work where some of us are like ah, oh, you know what like i'm i'm giving a c plus effort today you know i had a long night the night before or maybe stuff's <laughs> going on at home but like you you try to make sure that you're averaging it out to a, a b plus a right but you're, you're gonna have days where it's not and i think that the challenges that were many of us, you know, or listening on this, uh, to this on a commute to work or, um, you know, the, our jobs aren't public in such a way that millions of eyeballs get to validate a second by second analysis of our performance. So if we have an off day or off days, uh, it, it's, it's very public and very present. So, I, I don't know. I would feel like I would probably have a hard time knowing that there was a high level of inevitability to the results that was going to happen out of Newcastle that I would play and do the expected work. But I, I don't necessarily know if I could get it up to go a full 90 before maybe getting ready for the World Cup, maybe knowing that there's an FA Cup final that I'm a little bit more interested in or looking at ahead of this, that this is just part of doing my job and I have to go do this game on this weekend. So, I mean, I, I don't know if that's, it's too nihilistic of a view, David, but I, I don't know. I, I tend to think that's, that's uh, my Sounds thought. good. Sounds good to me. That's, that's me every day at work. What are you talking about? Uh, no, nah, yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those, uh, an obvious, um, opportunity for, for people to easily not be motivated. You would hope that the the professional level of the game of the squad is a little better than that and you know people will always be like oh well this frank lampard and john terry and didier drogba were here this would never happen but i mean i can guarantee you that they had days like that too and they took games off uh it was it, i think it's just one of those things that uh players will do what, what for whatever reason whether they it's by their own motivation or they're trying to get a coach sacked or they're not playing for the, you know, there's plenty of interpretations you can go with. Uh, but the consistent pattern that we've seen from a lot of these players is that this happens. And so, uh, like I said, I think it's just, uh, it's what we get. This is, this is it. We need to sign players who are less prone 
to to displays such as this one. All right, well, let's look ahead to the FA Cup final and Antonio Conte. Pretty divisive here. Uh, at Greg R. Gardner saying, can we win the FA Cup final with Conte in charge? Obviously, no, but feel free to discuss. <laughs> Go ahead and, and setting the narrative there. Uh, at Jared Andre 3 saying, should Conte be allowed to lead us into the FA Cup? Or should we have Jody Morris take over to see us through? Also, he's saying, was this year or was last year the real level of this squad? Um, I think that's a trick question because the squads are pretty different in my mind. Um, Yeah, and then his last one that we can discuss is, does the FA Cup trophy make things, in quotes, better? Um, You know, I I don't know, David. This whole King Conte, should he be there for the final? A lot of people Uh, saying no. I I don't know what you gain, really. (laughs) I mean, can you... yeah okay uh, that's that's super petty at this point uh if we're gonna sack him yeah okay uh i mean it's we, we can't we can oh i don't know i don't know if, if we sack conte this would be the most egregious sacking of all time uh that we've done and that's saying something because we've sacked coaches in random places like the tunnel at goodison and things like that but to sack a manager one game before the FA Cup, which he qualified for, lest we forget. Uh, he led the team to the FA Cup final, if we're going to give him credit for that. Uh, just because he failed to finish top four, he suddenly should not be allowed to take that game is an absolutely ridiculous suggestion. And I think possibly only top by advocating for Jody Morris to take over as if he's a coach who's worked with all these players and they would like somehow respond to the coach of the under-18s just because he won four trophies this uh, this year with the under-18s. So, beyond that ridiculousness, uh, yeah, uh, Conte needs to be... This is this is his final chance. This is probably his final game in uh, for Chelsea. Uh, he needs to be there, and if he wins it, then uh, that at least it ends in a decent note. Dan, um... You know, a lot of people say this, though. I think David had really good points about the fact that, you know, Conte is one who got us here, you know, in, in that sense. I know there's a lot of other things that go into it. Um, but even, let's say, you know, the players aren't playing for Conte. They blew it last season after a hell of a run in the league. Uh, absolutely yeah. blew it against Arsenal. You would think that even them, like just internally themselves, would want to make up for that massive mistake and missed opportunity to have another trophy. That's at least that's what I'm guessing again i think the the issue is is that if the players aren't playing for the the manager that's going to be something that i would imagine given the fact that you know uh, sanford bridge is not a huge place um cobham is obviously much much bigger um that they would probably know that and in the hierarchy they could make the decision to terminate his contract uh, if they felt like it was the right thing to do. And I, I mean, yes, it'd be awesome to see Jody win two FA Cups with uh, the U18s and the first team. That would that would be probably a nice bit of uh, pub trivia in the future. But I, I think that David makes a really astute point in that you know, he hasn't trained them, he hasn't practiced with them. You're asking someone to basically just put him out and it's... It's like when some player managers come through and they're basically like, we're just going to take the lads out. We're going to have fun and we're going to play football yeah. again. It's like, what, what? there's no strategy here. There's no thought. And 
Um, it, if it does come to light that there was massive dissension in the future, not sacking Conte and letting him potentially walk away with the cup would be kind of eh, not feel great. But I mean, at the end of the day, if we still win an FA Cup, uh, that would be a nice way to dress up this awful season. It doesn't take away the fact that this is a side that outside of th- you know three or four results could have potentially been in third or even second place and they weren't even that good and like that that's telling you a lot all right now we have to look way ahead to next season with at jason white 96 saying we need loftus cheek and van hinkle in the midfield next season a top quality striker maybe a top winger any other suggestions question mark uh, on the flip side, at the Justin Carey saying, would it be a good decision to sell high-dollar players like Hazard to get more players that can score goals, or would that just make things <laughs> worse? I, he wants Hazard to stay for a long time, but he also wants Chelsea to win. I mean, Justin, they don't have to be exclusive, right? Like, Chelsea and Hazard have won things together. I understand this season it hasn't happened, um, but, you know, I, it's it's not exclusive. Uh, also, you know, at... 1689 Jedi, Jedi saying again which loanee would you have return uh, he thinks that RLC would make the biggest impact uh, at Mason Mount being a close second um, but Dan I guess uh, wh- what do you think about between the um, you know a top winger and a top striker Loftus Cheek coming back maybe even Van Hinkle and potentially selling Eden Hazard yeah I, I don't see the value of selling Hazard because if we talk about needing to score goals, um, he did finish as the club's top goal scorer in the Premier League this season. Um, so yeah, you know, if we, we were debating about, you know, having three or four players a la City who are in double digits and, you know, you can kind of pick and choose, you know, how you want to run it, you can make a determination to do that. But if you go and get rid of Eden Hazard, you know, Morata is the, the next highest scorer and he did not have a fantastic season. And then Giroud was, you know, third overall for Premier League goal scored and he came in January. So I don't think I would look to get rid of goal scorers in this team. I would look to add people that score goals. And I mean, I think the one weird thing, like I, I do like the idea of Ruben Loftus-Cheek coming back. That's exciting. Uh, nice to see a good loan spell. But man, like we need midfielders that score goals. Like we need people who can come in and are adding uh, a plus in terms of attacking value. And, you know, I, I think there's a little bit still left for Mount to do. I mean, he's very exciting as a, a prospect in his hat trick he had this past weekend. Like he, he looks really exceptional. And then uh, Van Ginkle had a really good season. Uh, he did score some of his goals from the penalty spot, but you know he was you know very well received over there. And, and so there's opportunity within our ranks to potentially promote someone, but you also could look to you know add from the outside as well. Um, and I don't know, I don't know how you feel, David, but that's kind of where like I don't want to sell players who know hmm. how to score goals because that's kind of been our problem this season. Well. Um- if we are going to sell Hazard, now is the time because he's not going to be worth more than he is right now. Uh, based on my answer of having zero trust in the Chelsea board's ability to make the right signings, yeah. selling Hazard I, would be terrible I'm, I'm because we one. would I don't know. waste that money <laughs> I, on yeah. not making the right signings and that just be the double whammy right there. So, I mean, keep Hazard for sure. 
Uh, Lotashik, Van Hinkle, I mean, good players, but I think our midfield needs a better signing than that. I am sure Lotashik is a fantastic individual, but he seems to be a very limited use player uh, in that he, you know, we probably need, need him in a three man midfield, which might be something we use, but uh, I think uh, if the, the, the strategy, strategy that we should be pursuing is making two, three signings to maximize whatever transfer uh, budget we have and then and then fill the fill the gaps with all these lone players and youth players you know somebody like i don't think van hinkle really wants to play for us anymore i think he's gonna stay in psv and all a lot of chic i could see coming back somebody like zuma will probably come back and replace one of the defenders you know maybe cahill or whoever i think there's room there to add one uh but we need we need somebody uh, an actual top dollar signing you know i mean people talk about city but City didn't play a single young player in the final game of the season either. And they had literally nothing to play for for the last two months. You know, it's everybody loves the youth, but uh, this at, at this when you're at a club like Chelsea or City, the, you're not the club that's going to develop those players. You're the club to, that buys the finished product. And uh, Chelsea are obviously not quite to the tier that City are, so we have to go... Uh, a little bit lower so we have to buy somebody like Bakayoko or Morata who are you know 90% finished or 75% finished and take that final step but somebody in Loftus-Cheek or Van Hinkle uh, that's a big risk I'm not saying that that they're not going to be good you know Mason Mount obviously has tremendous amounts of talent but uh, there are other people who were uh, really good at that age and we thought would be surefire uh, would, would make it at the top level and, uh, you know, Josh McEachern, where is he at now? Oh, that's a throwback. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I mean, somebody, you have to go even back that far. Like, Lewis Baker was amazing at Vitesse. And now, 12 months later, he's been stuck at uh, Middlesbrough and doing absolutely nothing. Now, you know, what, what, what's, what's next for his career? You know, is do we still think of him as a, as a top-level prospect or... Is that his level, not even being able to make uh, a championship-level squad? So, who knows? Yeah, it's um, it's it's a lot more complicated, Chelsea, but, but that's <laughs> a good thing because our ambitions and our you know tradition of winning trophies in the last yeah, you know, 13, it's, 15 it's a, years. It's a good thing because there's a lot of options. Exactly. But it's a bad thing because you have to make the right call amongst all these options. And there are so many more bad choices than there are good choices. So. I've said it for ever since we started this podcast. The, <laughs> the the margin of difference between option A, B, C to Z is very small. So the amount of uh, weight that is put on players that sign, who go on loan, who come back, who play, they are very fine decisions and in, in, right. in lines of margin. So if something goes wrong... Uh, it's very obvious on the field, but leading up to that, it can be very hard to uh, to you know kind of discern a big difference. So, anyways, well, we'll go ahead and wrap out with actually a nice little shout out from V Factor Seven saying most of the questions have been answered since January. Now, you guys have done an incredible job putting out content after every game. Thank you so much for answering our questions and bringing things into perspective. So obviously, uh, you know, V Factor 07 has had a ton of questions on because uh, he has great ones and we've had a lot of people ask questions throughout the season. So again, thank all of you so much for engaging with us and, and really giving us a chance to get you involved in the show. Uh, I would 
personally hate having to talk to Nick and Dan by myself for an hour every week. So you guys, <laughs> oh, I'm just oh, kidding. I'm just kidding. But the fan voice, we love uh, it. It's so much fun because that's what we're all about. Disunity in the ranks. It's the next scandal of yeah. the Chelsea community. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> man. All right. Well, we're just going to go ahead and real quick touch on the uh, the final official match of the season for Chelsea. It will be against Manchester United in the FA Cup final at Wembley this coming Saturday. Uh, you know, as we were talking about before the podcast, real quick, David, uh, you can you can watch the Royal Wedding and the FA Cup final is my That's understanding, right. right? No conflicts? Make it a, make it a doubleheader. Man, uh, Dan is someone who owns corgis. Is that an important event for you? Uh, no. Okay. Uh, absolutely not. Okay. But I, I mean, you know, uh, my corgis do enjoy watching most games with me, uh, except matches like today. So, you know, they're, they're, they're wonderful companions. It's good to know that they have a high uh, IQ when it comes to football and soccer. They, they know what's good and what's not. Yeah, they, they do <laughs> tend to bark a lot um, when we watch, so... Uh, they, they they occasionally have been the backing track for this podcast too. So uh, thankfully we've we've pretty much fixed that issue. <laughs> okay, so Dan no longer has Corgi. No, I'm just kidding. I joke. <laughs> <laughs> um, David. Anyways, big things that stand out to you uh, against Manchester United. You know they have essentially bored their way to the end of the season, but we do <laughs> know from firsthand experience about Mourinho and a cup final. Dude can't get enough. <laughs> Oh yeah, he's cup specialist, right? Is that the is that Vasil calling him a cup specialist? I mean, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. There is is interesting develop. Like I was reading the news yesterday, and I just just blew my mind that uh, Rui Faria has left Manchester United. Uh, the the guy who's been with uh, Mourinho for 17 years as his assistant, and was basically every time was described that this is you know name me a better duo than Mourinho and Faria. Like, they, they're never going to split up, and now he's gone. So, like, everybody's just saying this, oh, he's spending time with his family, whatever. But, like, I could see possibly there's, uh, you know, some problems there, maybe. Maybe we can, something we can poke at, hope for. I don't know. Kind of like Liverpool That's, version he's two. This is, the, uh, the vacancy this is what I've been SW6. reduced to. <laughs> this is what I've been reduced to, just blind hope that there is some... Discord. Well, I think there, there is, between right? Mourinho. They're talking about like selling Pogba. Is um, You know, Mourinho saying a lot of these uh, players yeah, aren't yeah. fit to wear the shirt. You know, I mean, they, uh-huh. he's just doing what he's kind of been doing the last few years. Yeah, but he's, he's, he does the Mourinho things. And yeah. so like, you know, goodbye, goodbye, Anthony Martial and all these players. But his, you know, the the players who are in, you know, they, they'll they'll enjoy the confidence and the, uh, the trust. So, you know, unless, unless Lukaku is not fit to play, which... And uh, they're keeping it under a big, big secret. Um, I would assume he's going to play unless he literally can't walk. Uh, that might be a hope for us. But otherwise, it's going to be... Um, sadly, I think it's going to come down to who wants it more. And based on this week's evidence, uh, we don't have much of a chance. But you never know. That's, that's Sometimes that's football for you. I mean, Dan Conte's even came out and said, if we play like we did today, we don't have a chance next week. I mean, literally, he was just like, yeah. He goes, this is not yeah. looking good as of right now. That's- yeah, he, he's, also, he's also the person who today, we didn't touch on this earlier, but I think it's the, the comment he made about, you know, you're, I'm not the person you should ask about, like, not finishing in the top four. 
Uh, and he always has some interesting answers. Well, he's asked, like, you know, how do you evaluate your season? Like, what is he going to say? Like, yeah, you had a bad season. I mean, it's they're always trying to get him to say stupid things. Yeah. First time uh, he hasn't so, won the league title either. Yeah. Really? First time, first time for everything, first. yeah. But, and maybe this is the first time for him to win a cup final. So, you know, hopefully hey, hey, this hey. is a year of breaking rhythms. Um, yeah, I, I do like uh, to think that we will not have to play against Lukaku, but I imagine that ends up being the case. And you have to hope that you know, Hazard and Giroud are both up for it, that Conte looks a little fresher than he did today, and that we decide what back three, most likely including Rudiger. Um, I imagine he'll go with Cahill, Rudiger, and Aspilicueta, uh end up coming out and can hopefully lock down that that offense. And hopefully we can catch uh, De Gea making a little uh, little casual mistake. And if we could do that, sure. we we could still we could still win this. Like this is a winnable head to head match, and it's you know, one done. So it doesn't matter how you play the majority of the season; it just matters how you play when you get on the pitch that day. And and we and somebody who's Go ahead. Somebody was telling me on uh, uh, Twitter, and I'm not sure he meant it this way, but uh, I, en- I enjoyed this, uh, his perspective, was that uh, after the last two games, when Mourinho looks at uh, Chelsea, he will have no idea what we're going to do. So he has no idea how to prepare. This is all part of the plan. You'll see. No bunker and <laughs> it'll big. All pay- it'll all pay off. It'll all pay off on Saturday. It was all just a big, giant mind game. Well, remember, this is a two-cup swing. Like, you, you get to the FA Cup final, you win that, and then you qualify for the Community Shield. Right, guys? <laughs> uh, like, everybody wants the Community right? Shield. Like, who doesn't want to go play City in August after oh, yeah. World Cup? Um, you know, it's it's a two-trophy swing is all I'm saying, guys. It it adds <laughs> up in the cabinet shelf. We, we can Brand- take... Brandon, if you're going to... If you're going to advertise things like that, I would not advise a job in your future as like a travel planner. <laughs> uh, come visit Azerbaijan during the hottest uh-huh. month of the year. It'll be not as bad as going to hell. No, no, no. It'll be a cutter <laughs> for a summer World Cup. Yeah, that's not a good defeat for the time. <laughs> Anyways, as you guys can tell, we have completely digressed because, well, what left could the three of us possibly have to talk about is people who... Uh, literally create content almost as much as we do for uh, put into our day jobs. Uh, it has been a an unfortunate season, but it's been a good one as well. So obviously, David, everything you do, we ain't got no history. We have a, a good partnership, friendship there. Uh, just, you know, Indeed. thanks for the hard work and everything you do to keep kind of the, the lights on over there. <laughs> yeah, we do what we can. Awesome. Well, it is appreciated. And then, obviously, Dan, uh, any other final thoughts you want to leave the listeners with uh, for our final 2017-2018 regular season match? It can't get worse. It can't. Oh, it just it can't. can't. <laughs> <laughs> it was worse just two years ago. I think people forget that. We have kind of said, is this is the worst oh, that course. I can remember. I'm like, man, then welcome to the family. <laughs> um, yeah. But it's it's been worse recently. So anyways, all right, Chelsea fans. Well, that'll do. Go ahead and wrap it up for this episode. Again, thank you so much for listening, uh, for asking us questions, for tweeting at us, texting us, engaging. Uh, it has been a ride. But we will be back next weekend for the FA Cup final against Manchester United. So don't worry. You've got at least one more pod before the World Cup. So with that being said, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high. If you don't want the conversation to stop... 
Make sure to follow the London is Blue podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you want to support the pod, you can leave a five-star review in iTunes or donate on Patreon.com. London is Blue podcast presented by WorldSoccerShop.com.